you have your Bibles for a few moments tonight, I want to take you to the book of Genesis chapter 6 and just hold it. Um, but I believe that God wants to talk to us. I, confirmation of that comes in a, an unusual way. Brother Dwayne and I were talking right before service and he said the Lord, he woke up this morning troubled about all that was going on and I, I don't know anybody that couldn't be troubled by what's happening in our nation right now and uh, said the Lord began to talk to him and I said that's interesting because the Lord began to talk to me last night about the very same thing. So I know God wants to talk to us tonight and uh, I I pray that you'll open your heart as we open the word of the Lord. And I will take you there, Genesis chapter 6. And you know the scripture very well. I want to read beginning with verse number 5. And I'll read down several verses. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect now that word perfect does not carry the connotation that we think of it as without blemish or without flaw, but it speaks of whole or complete. He was mature. He was a well-developed man in character. But he was perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. How many times has it been uh, in my life and even perhaps in yours, when things are difficult or we're dealing with situations that seem to be too troubling uh, to fully grasp the understanding that we say of ourselves, well, we're just going to prepare for the worst. Anybody ever said that? Let's prepare for the worst. And uh, so it is with so many people. But I began to think last night, especially toward the end of the day and seeing all of what was going on in our country and the turmoil 
and even today the unsettled issues that remain in our country. And it's depressing. It, if you're not, uh, if you love your country and you love uh, where you live, it, it, it's, it affects you. And last night I was, I was grappling with this morose, sad feeling and, and the Lord began to talk to me and uh, rebuke me. And so when the Lord starts rebuking me, I, I try to pay attention because he doesn't do it in a mean fashion. He doesn't do it to hurt me, but he does it to help me. And the question that kept coming to my mind and in my spirit is, is that really the way a child of God ought to feel? That we're just going to prepare for the worst, you know? And... Uh, Somebody said, if you do that, then you won't be disappointed when something better comes along. But I, I, I don't know that that's really the way the Lord would want us to feel. It seems to be our habit that we prepare for the worst more often than we prepare for the best. One of the things that I read about the early New Testament church that someone recorded of them is that they were not so troubled by what the world was coming to as they were inspired by what had come to the world, the gospel. As wicked and vile and corrupt as it was, Rome was in control the despots were ruling on the throne and yet in the midst of that kind of environment, God poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost and the church began to flourish even when it was persecuted and was driven out of Jerusalem and had to go out into Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. It did not diminish but it flourished, it grew and multiplied many, many times over. And when I started thinking in these terms and in this point of reference, I, I began to realize that God doesn't want me as a child of his to look at life through those dingy lenses that so often life gives you of the world in which you live and if you listen to very much of the news, it's not difficult to become uh, uh, despondent because it doesn't seem like we're ever going to get out of the, the, the mess that we're in. But is that the way that a child of God should live? How is this to be? Is it the way a child of God should act or the way he should think? Not that, the, that we would prepare for the worst, but that we would understand that God has never left his people in any environment that he has not equipped them to be victorious in that environment. Amen. I want to say that again. God has never left his people in an environment in which they were not also equipped to live and thrive in that culture. It is interesting in sacred history uh, 
to see that God ordered the best of prophets to come at the worst of times. Times could have not been as black and bleak and dark as they were when God called a man by the name of Moses to step up and become his tool and to become his mouthpiece and to use him. And so it was even in Samuel's day, there was no open vision. No one was hearing from the Lord and yet it was in that environment that God raised up a Samuel and so it has been throughout the ages when God has been confronted by the thousands of prophets of Baal. He has always had an Elijah that could rise to the occasion and not be intimidated by the environment and the culture in which he lived. You and I have a choice as to how we live. We can endure life and by doing that we simply grit our teeth and just get through it or as many we can try to escape life and pretend that we are somewhere else in another time and, and, and live that way or we as a child of God can enjoy life. And I believe that God would choose that he would desire of us that we would not just endure or that we would not try to escape but that we would enjoy the life that he has given us in spite of our surroundings and even though it seems the worst of times the best of things can come out of the worst of time things may look bleak tonight And it's disheartening when you consider what's happening. And yet God is not caught by surprise by anything that's happening in our culture right now. God is not at a loss as Brother Milligan mentioned this weekend and wringing his hand about something called COVID-19. None of this has caught the Lord by surprise. And if it hasn't caught the Lord by surprise, then evidently he has prepared a people for this time and you and I are that people. And we need to wake up and realize that we need to, we need to look around and see that God is working. I read the story of a man who was preparing for a very serious surgery and The outcome was very uh, up in the air. The doctors were not even sure that he would survive the surgery because it was so complicated and so uh, intricate in the areas of the body that they were going to be working in. And so as they prepared him for surgery, a nurse came in and picked up his chart and started going through all of the things, all of the, the list of things that were against this man. And all of the challenges that were being posed by the man's medical condition. And what they were going to have to do with him. And finally, she looked up from the chart and she says, well, sir, I guess you're preparing for the worst. And the man stopped her. He sat bolt up in the bed. He said, oh, no, ma'am. I'm not preparing for the worst. 
I'm preparing for the best because my God works all things for the good to them who loved him, who were called according to his purpose. And what I think tonight God wants to speak to Greater Life Church is that when our world is at its worst, that's when you and I as the church need to look around and realize we have an opportunity to shine brighter than we've ever shown in our life. And we've got a greater opportunity in this hour of darkness than we've ever had. So instead of preparing for the worst, let's prepare for the best. Amen. We live in the last days. I understand that. And Paul defined them in very clear terms. First uh, Timothy, or Second Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to read this from the, the Passion Translation. But if you begin with verse 1 of Second Timothy 3, he said, But you need to be aware that in the final days... The culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their desires. They will be furious and belligerent. Haters of what is good and right. With brutal treacheries they will act without restraint. Bigoted and wrapped up in clouds of their own conceit. They will find their delight in the pictures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. And they may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. That's the end time. That's the time in which we now live. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth. Distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring and men's hearts failing them for fear. For looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, not when you see them in the clouds of glory, but when you begin to see the signs of, I've already mentioned, when you see those things, he said, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. I have been drawn to the story of Noah today. Last night in my reflections and Early this morning, I began to look at Noah's life and I realized how many times the scripture refers to the last days as being like the days of Noah. And so I went back and I, I started going through Noah's life again. And 
more importantly than just his life, I looked at the culture, the surroundings of Noah's life, the, the, the environment that he was living in. And when you read what we read in the beginning in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, it is very clear what the Lord is saying about that time. He said, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he goes down and said, the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence and God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted his way before the Lord. And it was in that environment that God began to talk to and call a man by the name of Noah. His day was evil. It was out of control. Anarchy was everywhere. When you study the, the, the meaning of the words that are used to describe the culture in which Noah lived, it's very similar to what we are living in right now. It was a toxic environment. It was corrupt. It was like a sewer. One translation actually translates the word corrupt as a sewer. It was like a cesspool, decaying, putrid. It was rotten to the core. It was good for nothing. And yet in that culture and in that environment was a shining light by the name of Noah. Amen. Amen. In that culture, the earth was filled with violence, cruelty, injustice, desecration, wrongs, assaults, a lust for power, decay, abuse, the shaking off of restraints, the violating of the innocent. All of those things are described as going on in Noah's day and in the New Testament when Matthew penned the words of the Lord concerning the last days. He talks about the day of the Lord being as it was in the day of Noah. And this is what he said. And for the day of the Lord will be like, a, like, like it was in the flood. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And when I read that and I went back to Genesis and I read it was corrupt and vile and filthy and like a sewer and it was evil and there was debauchery. There was every kind of wickedness going on. And yet in the New Testament, the Lord said they were busy eating, drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And the Lord spoke to me and said the problem was the same as it is right now. All of that was going on around them, but they were indifferent to it. It didn't matter. It didn't bother them. They were unmoved. Violence and crime were rampant, but they acted like it was no big deal. They were indifferent. They were so absorbed with their life, they didn't have time to worry over the fact that their world was unraveling 
They didn't have time for God. They didn't have time for his word. Jude described them as ungodly people committing ungodly deeds and speaking ungodly words. And so it seems to me that another sign of the end time is not just the wickedness and the vileness that we see in our world and culture right now, but it is also that attitude of indifference that cannot be touched, it cannot be stirred, it cannot be awakened. It goes through life blindly as if nothing matters but what I want to do. And yet in that environment, God called a man by the name of Moses and he called him to build an ark for the saving of his family. Amen. In such a time, God had a man that found grace in his sight. Oh, I pray that there will be some in this hour that will find grace in the eyes of the Lord and that we will present the best. That's what I... I I realized in Noah that even in this slimy, filthy, vile, vulgar culture, Noah presented to that culture a purity and a holiness and a cleanliness and a a, a spirit of of, of uprightness. And he he had such an attitude toward God that, 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 that God was good and merciful. He was just and righteous and he was, uh, he, he was a man of great character. He, he was a man who was mindful of his conduct and he realized that he could influence people by the way that he lived. I wish more of us realized how powerful our influence was on those around us. Because if we're not careful, we fall into the same sewer hole that they're in. We fall into the same septic thinking that they get into. We listen long enough and we all want to jump off the bridge. If you listen to it long enough, you'll throw up your hands and say, God, why in the world am I still here? I'm going to tell you why we're still here. Because God still has something for the church to do in this hour. And we better wake up and realize that our greatest opportunity is right now. If the world ever needed an upbeat positive spirit, they need one in you. If you're a child of God, there needs to be a smile on your face. There needs to be joy in your spirit. There needs to be hope in your words that you speak to this culture. Amen. And so Noah shows us how to live in such a violent, wicked, evil day and not be affected by it. And this is what he shows me. Number one, he walked with God. He did not keep pace with the beat of the world. And that's so important. Church, listen to me tonight. I can't control politics, nor can you. I can't control who's in office or who's not in office. But I can control what goes on in this environment right here by the way I enter into his gates when I come into his gates with thanksgiving and I come into his courts with praise the Lord is going to be good the Lord is going to be merciful and so Noah became conscious if I can't do anything else I'm just going to walk uprightly I'm going to live by a higher standard of measure I'm going to live by a higher principle 
I'm not going to read the news and then go give up and decide that it's not worth living any longer. I'm going to go beyond the news to the good news and I'm going to read what the Word has to say and that's what I'm going to immerse myself in is the Word of God and I'm going to walk with God in this wicked world in which we live. He was a man of faith. If there's anything our world needs right now, it needs some people of faith. Amen. We Somebody's got to let their faith make a difference somewhere. There are people around you. Brother, Brother Dwayne was telling me, he got up this morning and he was feeling morose and down and, and, and kind of in the dumps and the Lord spoke to him and said, that's not how I want you to live. That's not how I want you to go into the day. Do you understand the people that you're going to come in contact with today? They don't need to see you down in the dumps. They don't need to see you moaning. They don't need to see you come in with a sad face. They need to see you come in and sit down at your desk with a smile on your face and with hope in your heart. And he said, I walked out of my house and I went to work and I walked in with that kind of attitude. In a little while, my boss walked in and sat down in my office and said, what is going on? How can you be so happy? He said, because God's got it all in control. How can you be so positive? How can you be so upbeat? Listen to me, church. If there's anything the world needs right now, they need some Noahs that will not be afraid of being an influence for good in this culture in which we live. You say it won't make a difference. It will for somebody. It will for somebody. It may not for everybody, but it will for somebody. Amen. He, had, he, he was a man of faith. He kept doing the will of God no matter how challenging the times were. Do you understand with me how difficult it had to have been? He preached for 120 years. The Lord's coming. The flood's coming. The judgment's coming. God's going to do something. He's going to shake this world up. And he did that for so long that people started thinking he was a little off his rocker. They, they were thinking he was a little touched, you know. He's just, he, he, he's, he just let it get to him. Yeah, I'm touched, but I'm not touched in the way they think I'm touched. I've been touched by the hand of the Lord. And his hand tells me that I'm still working in this world and I'm not through with this world. And when I get through with it, you'll know it. But until I do, you better keep walking by faith. You better keep living by faith. You better keep trusting me and walking with me every day of your life. Amen. He kept walking with God in spite of the escalation of evil. He was a man of faith and he was a faithful man. And this is something the Lord spoke to me. What made Noah different was that he lived his life based on my word, not the world's words. He lived his life based on my 
word. What is my word have to say? My word. The word of the Lord is what should govern my thoughts. The word of the Lord is what should govern my action. The word of the Lord is what should lift me up in the morning and tuck me into my bed at night and let me sleep a good night. Why? Because the word of the Lord will stand forever. Earth is going to pass away and everything in the earth is going to pass away. But he said, my word shall not pass away. And so we live our lives based on the Word of God. Amen. I'm not living based on what the news is telling me. I'm living based on what the Word is telling me. He kept God's commandment first and foremost. If there's ever an hour when we should do that, it is now. If there's ever a day we should live that way, it should be now. He reverenced the Word of God. He listened to the Word of God. He lived in obedience to the Word of God. No matter what others were saying, no matter what others were thinking, no matter what common wisdom of the day might have said, he said, the Word of the Lord is what directs my life. He wasn't sidetracked or deterred by the mockery of others. He just kept living by the Word. I want to tell you something, church. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more people are going to mock you for living by the Word of God. Don't let that bother you. Just keep living by the Word. Amen. Don't let that affect you because the Word will see you through. The Word will not fail. Amen. Say it will not fail. The Bible says of Noah that he was a preacher of righteousness. And when I started looking at that, the Lord started talking to me and saying, Noah was my minister of rightness to the world. Noah understood the power of his words. He understood the influence that his words had on others. And he was very careful to not voice his own frustration before he brought them to me and let me help him. He was not... Uh, he, he, he would not allow his own personal interests, his own personal ideas to get in the way of what God's word said. Oh, it's a hundred years of doing this and I've not made a difference. I've not made a convert yet. It doesn't appear. And yet he keeps preaching. I believe that God is trying to speak to Greater Life Church today and tell us that our words mean more now than they've ever meant before. And if there's anywhere, there's going to be a positive sound. If there's anywhere, there's going to be a good word. It's got to come from the people of the Lord. It's got to come out of my mouth. It's got to come out of my spirit. He was a preacher of righteousness. He was a herald, a messenger vested with authority to take a good word to a sick world. Can I tell you that you're an ambassador of his? You are a messenger. You are a mouthpiece that's been commissioned. You've been given authority to take a good word to a sick world. We better be careful when we go into our jobs and into our work environments that we don't allow them to take away from us what God has put in us. He was a man who had a message of righteousness and he had a word. He understood the power of his words and he spoke those words to lift people up. You and I need to be careful what we speak 
because what we speak is what will come. Amen. Be careful what we speak and what we seek for we will find it if we're not careful. A good day is not one in which I experience no trouble or no fears or no afflictions or no brokenheartedness, but it is one in which I experience the help and the hand of God. And in that wicked culture, a man found grace. I wonder what God has stored for this hour that we could find. I wonder what God has stored up for this moment in time prior to his coming back to earth, prior to his rapturing his bride. I wonder what he has brought to this world that you and I need to find. Amen. We need to wake up and realize that as bad as it is, you've got something the world needs in a desperate kind of way. Amen. And preach it and speak it and say it without fear, without doubt, without favor. How are we going to live in such times when things are at their worst? I'm going to live looking for the best. Amen. I believe God's best blessings are still on tap. I believe God's best grace is still available. I believe God's greatest blessings are still in store for us. And if we will start looking for those things, we will experience those things. Amen. The writer said it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It all depends on how you look at it. Amen. Instead of preparing for the worst, I feel like Greater Life Church has got to get in high gear of preparing for the best because I believe God's best is yet to come. Amen. I said I believe God's best. I don't believe we've experienced the greatest move of God He wants to give us. I don't believe we've seen the greatest miracles. I don't believe we've seen the greatest outpouring. I believe that's still available. I believe that it's still for us. And I want to experience the best blessing that God has in these times. I want to experience the greatest power that he can display in these worst of times. Because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You know what I want? I want to experience the favor of God in the midst of the worst of times. Amen. That God would just smile on this place. Say, man, I like their attitude. I like the spirit in which they come to church. I like the way they enter into my presence. I like the way they worship me. I like the intensity of their prayer. I like the sound that comes out of that prayer room. I like the dedication that I see. They're not hopeless. They're not down in the dumps. They're not morose. They're not sad. Oh, they're sorrowful for what they see, but they're not saddened because they look beyond this present world and they see the hand of an almighty God that's still operating and still controlling the affairs of men. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And what happens? The King of glory comes in. 
You mean that's all it takes? That's all it takes. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is that King of glory? Read it. Amen. He's trying to make himself available to us right now. And if there's anything the world needs, it needs a positive sound. It needs a worshiping church. It needs a praying church. It needs a joyful church. Amen. It doesn't need a church that's going around in the mully grubs and sad and disappointed and heartbroken. Amen. We need to lift our our eyes beyond that and see that our help comes from the Lord and God has not left us in this world for this hour for us to flounder in this moment. Amen. Let's stand together. I've said this many times before. I don't believe that God has brought the church to this hour for us just to wallow around in some kind of half-baked glory and call it church. I believe God wants us to experience great grace. Amen. Great grace. The Bible says that when the, the, the church was under great attack in the book of Acts, great persecution was everywhere, that they also experienced great grace. Amen. Amen. If our world needs anything tonight, it needs great grace. Amen. Because politics don't have the answer. I'm I'm sorry. But Hollywood doesn't have the answer. Amen. But God does. And His people. Amen. I want you to pray with me tonight that God will baptize you with a spirit of joy and gladness for this hour. For we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I'm not going to drag myself around. I don't know who's going to be the next president. Maybe they've already decided. I don't know. But it doesn't matter who the president is. I know who sits on the throne. And that's the one that I'm most concerned about. Because he raises up and he takes down. He, he raises up and he takes down. So I'm not concerned as much about that as I am concerned about the one who sits on the throne. And in this wicked, vile, corrupt world in which we live, there ought to be a smile on our face. We've got something to give a world that desperately needs a hope and I have the opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. Pray with me right now. Hallelujah. God, I need you to baptize me with that joy. I need you to wash my mind, Lord, and my heart and my spirit, oh God. Refresh my mind. Refresh my thoughts, Lord. Let me not be down in this hour, but let me lift up my eyes until the, unto the hills and beyond that to the place where my help comes from. My help comes from you, Lord. Oh, tonight, God, baptize us not with sorrow, but with joy. Baptize us tonight not with fear, but with faith. Baptize us tonight not with sickness and not with heartbrokenness, 
but Lord, baptize us with great grace. Let it be upon this place, O God. If there's anywhere, if there's anywhere that your goodness can be found, let it be found in this place. Hallelujah. Amen. God has always had a good man for a bad time. And He's always had a ready church for a sick world. Amen. That's us. Amen. You need to walk out of here and make up your mind. I'm not letting all this garbage affect my thinking anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm going to get my eyes focused on what I need to be focused on. And that's the Lord. Amen. He's the one that's in control. And He's the one that's going to call the last decision that's going to be made. When He says, it's time, blow that trumpet. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. God, give us grace, great grace in this hour. Amen. I love you, church. Lift up your heads, O your gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. If you just look high enough, you can see him. Amen. He's on the throne. He's still in control. And he's the one that I'm depending on in this hour. God's going to do great things. I believe this weekend is going to be a great weekend. Why? Because somebody's going to come through these doors with great faith. And God's going to match great faith with great grace. And we're going to see great things happen. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Turn to somebody near you and say, God wants you to put a smile on your face.